0: which I shared on my Instagram a while ago, which I think helped me a lot deal with those sorts of worries that I had about how is this affecting her if she's seeing me crying? So Dr. Shafali says, don't shield your children from pain. Shield them from the belief that it will crumble them, which I absolutely love. love and I think that. it's such an important message because, everything i do now is for layla like i want to be a good role model for layla i want her to know that she can survive anything in her life and it's also healthy and important to allow yourself to feel whatever emotions arise you know when you're going through things in your life because life is not easy
1: hello and welcome to mum life a podcast for ambitious mums navigating the sweet and messy journey of motherhood. I'm Leonie Akidenor, and each week I will bring you conversations with mums and parenting experts about the highs and lows of motherhood and tips to make our lives that little bit easier. Hi, everyone. Today I'm bringing you a conversation with Imogen Khan, the co host of the Good Morning podcast, which is a podcast all about navigating grief. We speak to Imogen about her motherhood journey. She experienced an unexpected pregnancy and the shock that that brought, a traumatic birth. We also talk about the first six months where it was sleepless nights with her little daughter, Layla, which was really quite challenging. But the most challenging experience that she's had is when her little daughter was nine months old, Imogen's mother tragically took her own life. We really delve into what that meant for Imogen and her journey, her parenting journey, and how she then navigated that extremely tough time following the death of her mother. For those of you who haven't necessarily lost a parent or loved one per se, this conversation is such a great example of how, even with challenges that you may experience in life in general, how to navigate those. And when you feel like you're in the depths of despair, the way in which Imogen really channeled her energy into something positive is quite astounding. Before we get into the conversation, I'd like to give you a mum life moment. So actually, it's from this morning. And it was it's all about me leaving the house. So <laughs> this morning, the boys wake up. I get Charlie ready and Noah refuses to let me get him ready. So off I go and get myself ready, I'm about to leave the house and let Jules deal with Noah. But then I notice that there's dishes in the sink. So I think I'll just quickly wash the dishes because the nanny's coming today and I want the house to look clean. Wash the dishes and I'm almost out the door. And then Noah screams, Mom ready to get ready now. And he's insisting that I get him ready. So I race upstairs to go get Noah ready. As soon as I try to pull him out of his cot, he's not into it. So I'm like, right, don't have time for this. Walk straight downstairs. I'm almost out the door. And then I see a pile of washing on the couch. And I think to myself, I may as well just quickly put the washing away because again, the nanny's coming today and I want to make sure our house is clean. I pop the not washing away, I'm almost out the door and Noah screams, mum, ready now. So I race upstairs to get Noah ready and this time he allows me to get him changed. So I quickly get him changed and I run downstairs and I'm almost out the door and I see a million other things that need to be done and I think to myself, I have to use every ounce of strength in my body to put one foot in front of the other and walk through that door and close it behind me. And then there's that massive sigh of relief. I'm not sure if any of you can relate to that, but being a mother and trying to leave the house, honestly, it's certainly a challenge I would never have envisioned prior to my motherhood journey. Okay, everyone, let's cross over to the episode with Imogen Khan. Hi, Im. Welcome to the podcast. So thrilled to have you with us today.
0: Hi, Leonie. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat to you about all things mum life.
1: Yeah. So I'll start with saying that you've been an absolute success. You and your partner, Sal, um, your business partner have been such a success in having your own podcast, The Good Morning Podcast, uh, which only launched less than a year ago. And now you've already got over 15,000 Instagram followers. You've been in major publications like The Herald Sun, The Courier Mail, Body and Soul, The Daily Telegraph. You've made such a splash with giving grief a voice. So I just wanted to start with saying congratulations on your success.
0: Thank you so much. It's crazy to hear it back like that. Everything we've kind of achieved in less than a year, it's been pretty mental, but yeah, it's really, really exciting. Thank you.
1: It's amazing. Uh, Honestly, so admirable. Um, And so look, really excited to have a bit of a chat to you about your motherhood journey, which unfortunately in the earlier months took a pretty tragic turn with your mother um, passing away. And so I'm really interested to delve into more so how you navigated that from a parenting perspective. I thought what might be a nice way to start um, and to give this conversation a little little bit of context um, is to actually start with a post that you put up on Instagram in April. And so I I thought I'd start with reading that off. So you say, shortly before I was due to give birth to my daughter, I was having a picnic with my mum. At the time, I was suffering from prenatal anxiety and was fearful of the changes that were about to happen in my life, being thrown into the unknown of motherhood. I asked my mum, what did having kids mean to you? She paused and really pondered the question and responded with sincerity. I guess it just means having more people to love. It wasn't until my mum died nine months later that I then knew exactly what she meant. Nothing else matters in life except for love. I thought I had forever, but I didn't. I thought I had forever to give her all of the love that she deserved, all of the love and comfort that she gave to me every single day that she was alive. My heart screams in pain for more. My daughter never got to sing happy birthday to her grandmother, and my mum never got to sing happy birthday to my daughter. I hate it. It hurts, but she left us with the best gift gift of all. She taught me the meaning of it all, and her death taught me that nothing else matters in life except for the people you love. So I will love my daughter beyond measure the way that she loved me. When I read this post, I was literally, it gave me chills, and I just think it's so beautiful, beautifully written and so completely tragic. Um, And so I guess you know, with that context, what I'd love to, where I want to start right back at the start. So before having children, you fall pregnant. What was life like at that stage of your life?
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> going right back. I was a workaholic, much like yourself, Leoni. <laughs> I was very, very career driven. Um, I think all I was doing was really working. I was working in TV production, mainly on big reality shows. Um, I'd just come off working for The Voice Australia. So I was doing that no for way. a couple wow. of years. Yeah. yeah, I probably haven't even told you this. <laughs> no, um, that's so yeah. cool. And then I've sort of made the decision that I wanted to move into producing because I like, you know, more creative sort of work and I'd worked really hard at trying to Make that happen, and I'd Mm. just accepted a job um, working in Africa on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Um, So I was gearing off to head to the jungle for a few months in Africa to work and Mm. got a little surprise and (laughs) found out that I was pregnant. And um, yeah, it was a huge shock, but Mm. here I was going. I'll still go to Africa. It'll be fine. I'll only be, you know, six months in then. And then I have to have a meeting with um, the production manager and and I was sort of pitching to her that I was still going to go. It'll be all right. And she said, like, if you know there's malaria there in the jungle, like, you cannot (laughs) go when you're pregnant. Like, we're not allowing that. And I was actually quite devastated because I feel Mm -hmm. like I'd worked so hard to kind of get to this place. I was like, yes, my career is taking off. I'm yeah. heading in the direction that I've, you know, saw myself going in for a long time and life threw me a curveball, which is obviously one that, you know, a lot of women try, you know, some women have struggled to fall pregnant and I'm very mindful of mm. that. But I guess mm. as a career-driven person, you may relate to this, Le- Leonie, mm. it was quite a difficult <laughs> <big> process <laughs> when you're not yes. expecting to fall pregnant. So that was yeah. my, yeah, motherhood. Beginning wow. of motherhood.
1: <laughs> so you stayed in Sydney and you just continued working throughout the pregnancy. What was the pregnancy l- like for you?
0: Yes, I stayed in Sydney and I went back on the voice again because um, I was oh, going right. to stop working on the voice, but I did another season yeah. with them. So I was heavily pregnant, working sixteen-hour days, um, wow. running around. Which, looking back, was probably not the smartest thing to do, but. It was all I knew how to do. It, so. It's what
1: we do as career
0: women, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So waddling along the lot at Fox yeah. Studios, heavily pregnant, like. <laughs> um, but it was lots of like, it was lots of fun, and my pregnancy mm. was actually quite amazing. Like I had a really, really good um, pregnancy. I felt like because I always um, had polycystic ovarian syndrome. So my hormones had always been so out of whack my whole life. Like I'd suffered Mm. from really bad acne and pain and irregular periods. And um, weirdly, when I felt pregnant, like it just leveled out my hormones. Mm. So I was like loving it. I was loving the feeling of like, you know, I had the pregnancy glow and all of those things Mm. that you hear about. Um, So, yeah, overall, my pregnancy was amazing.
1: I had the same thing in a really weird way. Regarding my hair, so my hair, I've I've got African style fro. Love your hair. Um, yeah, it just never, it just never grows, right? And So I've had extensions all my life and all that stuff. And all I ever wanted was just like really long straight hair, and I have the fro, right? So I chemically straightened it and straighten do all of that. And then as soon as I fall pregnant, my hair is growing and growing and growing. And my second pregnancy, growing and growing. And now it just woke yeah. up. And I was just like, That is such a good perk, particularly for me who's wanted long hair all her life. <laughs> like yes. oh, take those perks, right?
0: <laughs> Do you know what's funny though? Is you want long yeah. dead straight hair. I've got long yeah. dead straight hair. Well, I had long dead hair straight hair and all I wanted was hair like yours (laughs) is that right yeah
1: Yeah. so one thing I found in the pregnancy as well at least for me was um like I suffered from prenatal anxiety and just having read that that post that I just read a few moments ago sounds like you did too how did that go for you what was your experience around that
0: yes so I had pre and postnatal anxiety um Mm. pretty badly I'd always suffered from anxiety since I was about 17 years old. I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, so I would constantly worry about things anyway. But I guess um, prenatal anxiety, I was just so fearful of giving birth, being a mum, what that looked like, the transitions that were about to happen in my life. Like Everything just felt so overwhelming. I was constantly... Worrying about it rather than enjoying it. And then I'd hear other mothers talking about, you know, becoming a mom and saying, I just can't wait for that moment of joy when you have your baby and that instant connection of love. And all I could think about was, I can't see that happening for me. I cannot, like, I can't envisage that. And then that would also bring about a lot of shame because I would just think, how awful that I'm feeling like this. Why aren't I getting that experience that all of these other mothers are having? What's wrong with me? Am I mm. am I deserving to be a mom? Am I good enough to be a mom? Um, I just had so yeah, that sort of really negative, you know, self limiting beliefs narratives running around in my head that was stopping me from being able to, yeah, I guess enjoy the thought of becoming a mom.
1: Mm, I totally relate, and I similarly, I mean, very fortunately, fell pregnant unexpectedly sort of I guess the first time we decided we'd probably start trying in a few months time I went off the pill and I figured oh it's going to take me forever and then like straight away I fell pregnant and I wonder if there's the element too of that unexpected and then oh my gosh and then that guilt around well hold on a lot of people do take a long time to fall pregnant so I should be elated that I'm pregnant but I'm not feeling that way so what the hell's wrong with me and now I'm angry at myself and now yeah and it's like that, that spiral
0: yes and i often felt mm-hmm. like i couldn't communicate that with anyone because again like you said a lot of women struggle to fall pregnant and i'm very mindful of that how mm. you know much of a blessing it is to fall pregnant so i couldn't mm. i just didn't feel like i could be open and honest about my experience and i guess that's important for us to have this conversation for any other mums that are out there mm. feeling that way as well or perhaps yeah. pregnant women who are listening to this that aren't feeling those immediate feelings of joy that we're told to feel by society. But I do think you're right. Like there is that element of shock and processing. Like when I found out I was pregnant, I bawled my eyes out, out of, beer on the toilet like I I wasn't excited I was
1: like what the fuck am I gonna do I'm going to Africa yeah it's so funny you say that because I had literally just come back from Greece having planned my entire wedding put deposits down and everything and we were heading over the following year and I was the whole time the whole trip to Europe I was like I'm not feeling great oh I must be low in iron or something and then by the time I get back I see a GP thinking oh she'll give me some supplements and away we go Oh, they tell me I'm pregnant. I burst into tears, and I'm like, "But, but I'm getting married in Greece. <laughs> it's just it's uh, so that's ridiculous a legitimate you thing to cry on. about." <laughs> yes, that
0: is li- because you have this plan of like the next, yeah, like,
1: you like, have the like, life. yes. You have to kind of
0: grieve that, like, you know, plan of
1: your life that you thought was going to happen. Toad. Yes, yeah, big time. But at the same time, you
0: can't tell anyone that you feel that way because
1: how awful it is. Yes, you sound (laughs) ungrateful. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) So you have your gorgeous little Layla. And what were the first sort of six to nine months like for you? Gosh, well,
0: it wasn't even that easy having Layla. (laughs) Like the the birth was horrendous (laughs) really so basically I had a nice pregnancy but then Mm. the birth was just it was very traumatic um Mm. yeah so from the birth to the first six months was absolute hell so we'll Uh, go into that recovering from that or just the birth itself like I felt like Mm. I was super prepared going into it I listened to a lot of podcasts I read all of the books um Mm. but then everything kind of went wrong everything that could go wrong went wrong and i think what happened with me is and i'm hearing a lot more now about how a lot of women are having emergency cesareans yes and i actually think looking back that i tried to bring on the birth before my body was ready um so i could obviously do these things like stretch and sweeps and you know drinking the teas and doing the exercises and all the things to try and bring on labor but I had two stretch and sweeps with my midwife and I brought on the labor, but I don't actually think my body was ready. And um, so I was in labor for like nearly 24 hours.
1: Oh, geez. Um,
0: I ended up, obviously the pain was so excruciating, had an epidural. And then mm. eventually like after hours, I got to 10 centimeters dilated, but my body had just was so exhausted that my contractions slowed down too much. So I couldn't push. So then they induced me when I was at 10 centimetres, which ramped up the contractions. But then Layla just, she just wasn't engaging. Like she wasn't coming out. (laughs) So I pushed for an hour and a half and (gasps) yeah, it got to the point where they're like, look, you know, you are so fatigued. Your body is so tired. She's, we cannot see the head. Like we Mm. need to intervene now. And I think my biggest fear was having a cesarean. I hadn't mentally prepared myself for that sort of being cut open while I'm awake was so frightening. Um, mm. So just from then on, it just started to go downhill. And so we went into the operating theater. So I had my mom there with me the whole time through labor um, and Ben, my partner. And then obviously only one person can come into the operating room with you. So Ben came in with me. And um, by that time I'd had, you know, the epidural was, giving me a quite weird reaction. I was shaking quite a lot and just exhausted. Like I'd been awake for mm. <laughs> way too long. Mm. And then they tried to get her out with forceps. Um, she was just too far stuck in the birth canal. So then they said we have to do an emergency emergency caesarean. And by that point, I'm just, whatever, <laughs> just do what you've got to mm, do. Like I've had yes. enough
1: of y- Yeah. Um,
0: and then so they gave me more drugs. And then my body was having an even more adverse reaction to the drugs. And I was pretty mm. much like convulsing on the table. <gasps> wow. Um, yeah. And at this point, Ben was like trying to stay calm for me throughout the whole mm. labor. He was being an, an amazing support. But I think he started to get a bit scared at that point. Mm. Um, so he was just trying to keep his cool for me. And then mm. so they did the cesarean. They pulled her out. I was just having a massive freak out and they went to bring her over to me and I couldn't couldn't hold her. I couldn't bring myself to look at her. I was just having a massive like panic attack. Um, Mm. Just the whole thing was too much and I guess it ties in with that, you know, prenatal anxiety. Like Mm. it was just so overwhelming for me Um, and I didn't feel that moment of joy that everyone talked about and it was just a really awful traumatising experience Mm. and then they um the midwife and Ben took Layla away to do all the measuring and cutting the umbilical cord and everything and then I started to get stitched back up and then I something went wrong and I started to bleed quite heavily um so they had to call the doctor back and open me up again and I'd lost like (gasps) a liter of blood um yeah (laughs) yeah so what by that point I was just I wasn't okay and then mm. the, um, the nurse who was administering my epidural drugs or whatever I was getting at the time gave mm. me morphine but no one communicated to me that they'd given me morphine so I started to feel like I was passing out and I thought I was dying. Like I was like, <sighs> bit, like I'm, I'm dying. <sighs> and so I just remember the lights and like people rushing around me and <sighs> my eyes were rolling back in my head. And I was mm. like, hey, well, this is it, this is it. And <sighs> then um, I don't know what happened. I started to, yeah, just like fall asleep. And then mm. I got wheeled out. Eventually after I was stitched back up, I got wheeled out. And then they took me into recovery, and they're like, "Where's your baby?" I was like, "I don't know. I don't oh know where my baby God. is." Like,
1: that's the worst thing to ask a mother. <laughs> yeah, I was, a like, <laughs> I was like, "I was like, I fucking know what. That's no doing idea. Right that's now. your job to to know where my baby yeah. is." <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so someone went in. When oh, it found man. her, she was obviously with oh. Ben and the other midwife, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then yeah, brought yeah. her to me and to breastfeed. And yeah. so I was just really out of it, and I was like, okay, I'll mm. just go with this. And so she latched on pretty much straight away, which was amazing. Um, yeah. and I felt like at that moment was the first time I could sort of take a breath and be like, okay, this feels okay, I'm all right, mm. I've survived. Mm. everyone you know the chaos is gone um Mm. and I just had this kind of really nice peaceful moment of connection with her for the first time but the birth was just it was awful
1: (laughs) oh my god and the fact that like you had given birth and then it still keeps and then and then and then like
0: (laughs) I had it all I got to experience everything and I guess you know that's one thing because I know what it feels like to you know (sighs) basically have a natural birth and yeah
1: birth, so. it's uh oh, yeah. that's so shocking what's the recovery like from a, a, like an experience like that I mean you mentioned the first little bit of being a mother was really tough and even just from the physical perspective what was that like for you
0: yeah well you can't uh, yeah you can't pick up your baby really you can't walk mm-hmm. easily you can't really have a shower easily so it's almost like you're supposed to be looking after and caring for this child but you still need care yourself so I was in hospital for a while and I went public um, with hospital but I was I think because of the traumatic birth they felt sorry for me so I got a private room which was amazing oh
1: nice um
0: so that was good so I had you know the midwives on call helping me around the clock I was there for probably I think four nights four to five nights um I was just bedridden and but you're in a lot of pain But you do get given quite good drugs at the same time, but they wear off. But I was yeah, yeah, in in a lot of pain. It was just hard to walk. Like you're just bending over, like clutching your stomach all the time. Um, So it is difficult. Those initial six weeks, especially um, Mm. trying to navigate, yeah, healing yourself and also looking after a, a newborn.
1: Where was your mindset at? As far as, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you experienced anxiety throughout. So did the anxiety sort of just like not go away at all? Was it just sort of like this underlying thread for you? What was that like?
0: It manifested Mm. in um, fearing that she was going to die. So I I was just checking her breathing constantly. Mm. Um, I had her sleeping next to me in a a co-sleeper cot. I just mm. was always checking if she was breathing. It was starting to become quite obsessive. Um, yeah, that was probably the hardest part. Um, mm. And I think as well as they, they I know Sid is obviously very serious, but I think they they drill a lot of fear into you with it, mm. you know. And I mm. think it's all around you at the hospital and all the classes. They're talking about it. Um, mm. So I always just was worried that that was going to happen.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So yeah, I guess. I mean that's, that's the thing
1: with with anxiety, right? Like it's always like fearing the worst. So it's like if someone tells you yeah. something, you're like, oh my God, what would I do if that happened? You know, and you start predicting yeah. what you're gonna do if that happens and it's that rabbit hole.
0: Worst case scenario. The first six months were really, really hard. Um, aside from yeah, <laughs> just being a new mum, we had like Layla would have screaming episodes in the night and I wouldn't know what was wrong with her but it was like that deep scream like she was in pain and I just kept having people telling me oh that's normal babies cry I'm like no Mm. it's normal like I can Mm. you you know those maternal instincts like
1: yes
0: you know something's not right yep and it wasn't
1: colic it wasn't anything that they could diagnose well it ends up
0: being yeah we she ended up being diagnosed with reflux um but right. it took us four months to get that diagnosis and oh, so we really. we ended up calling like the ambulance a few times because I was like my child's in pain and then they couldn't see yeah. anything immediately wrong with her until one time we actually went I can't I I need to get this sorted so we went to the hospital and then the doctor monitored us for a while until she had another one of her episodes and was able to identify. They're like, I think that looks, that looks like she's got reflux. I'm like, after all this time, that's all it was. Wow. And, and what so, do they do for that?
1: Like, what, what can they do to treat it?
0: Um, she was on medication called Losec, mm. so a really, really low okay. dose, but you have to go to a compound pharmacy and they make it up specifically for your baby. Um, yeah. So we had to see a pediatrician. I think one of the main things was I was told by some nurse somewhere along the way that there's no such thing as over breastfeeding your baby, so every time Layla would cry, I would put her on the boob and breastfeed yeah. her. But what was happening was it was I think the milk that was upsetting her tummy, and so when she'd cry because she's having an upset tummy, I'd put her back on the boob, mm-hmm. feed on more milk, and it was just adding to the issue and so it kind of, I think one of the major reasons behind what was happening to her was mm. I was breastfeeding her too much. And right. I went, I ended up going as well because she didn't sleep <laughs> at all. Like she was not a sleeper. You know how you either get a sleeper mm. or you don't. We had a baby yes. that didn't sleep. Um, so for six months it would be like she'd sleep for maybe 20 minutes and then wake up crying and then it'd take like two hours to get her back to sleep and she'd sleep for 20 minutes so we were on that oh, cycle for so long and I tried everything under the sun mm, and nothing mm. was working I ended up going to Tresillion. um I don't know if you're familiar with it but it's a sleep school here in New South Wales which is amazing um yeah. and it's free it's fully subsidized by our government oh and, wow right yeah and I did a five night a five-day stay at this sleep school, and they monitored. Um, they basically monitored my routine and what I was doing with her, and then, so instead of breastfeeding her every time she'd cry and wake up, yeah, they'd get me to like just pick her up, pull her out of the cot, and just hold her upright on my shoulder, and that was sort of helping her stomach digest. And then eventually, I kind of got the hang of it. And then after sleep school, her sleep improved so much more. I I didn't know what I was doing you know oh, I, I was
1: never absolutely. around baby <laughs> totally the same as you I went to sleep school with both of my children like and this, yeah. you'd think by, by the second kid like you know come on like don't you have get the hang of it right but at the same time every child is different and I was like you know what I'm just gonna go and they're gonna teach me what's best for my child number two Charlie and you know I, I, we did that but that was a private one that's amazing that there's obviously a publicly funded one in New South Wales I wonder if there's yeah. Yeah, so I think there's Victoria, another but Yeah,
0: there's Tricilian and then there's Karatani. So if anyone's in New South right. Wales looking, just speak to your GP and get them to refer you to either Tricilian or Karatani. Um, they're amazing.
1: That's yeah. No, oh, I couldn't have done parenting without having had that level of support oh, no. as well. <laughs> um, gee, sounds like it was like a fair bit going on for you particularly in the early days so and then compounded with just like you said the general challenges of being a parent your mum passes away when little Layla's nine months old so where is your head at sort of at at that point like how do you even get yourself out of bed to look after your child like talk me through that
0: so from six months we turned a corner with Layla and she was fine. We travelled over to the UK. She met Ben's family. I started mm. to kind of get in the swing of being a mum and started to really enjoy it for the first time. Like I'll be honest, it took six months mm. for me to, to find any joy really, Yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, with the sleep deprivation and everything going on. Um. So I had about three months of like enjoying being a mom. I was like, this feels mm. good. I've got the hang of this. I'm starting to understand, you know, what everyone goes on about, how it's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, <yes. laughs> Yeah, and then I didn't know sort of behind the scenes, a lot of stuff was going on for my mum at the time, um, which I think I was just sort of, I was so sleep deprived, I wasn't in a position to be able to recognise. Any of the signs that anything was wrong, and I as I was so focused on myself and being a new mum, which now looking back I, I feel a lot of guilt about. But you know, in, when you're in those situations, that's all you can really do when you're a new mum. When Layla was probably seven months old, there was a lot of stuff going on in our family, and I can't discuss the circumstances surrounding what happened to my mom but it was a horrific twist of fate is the best way to describe what happened and um it was a matter of probably 2 months where from when i knew what was happening um to when she tragically took her own life um so it was just it all happened so fast for us and you know i'm in the midst of being a new mom it was just it was very chaotic like everything just felt really chaotic and I felt like I was back in that place of feeling really out of control of everything um so yeah it was a it was a lot to process and and mum mum died when Layla was only nine months old so I feel like in a weird way it's just like weird cycle of life and death like from nine months growing a child then again at nine Mm. months dealing with the death of my mother like I just, I felt like I could never enjoy just being a mum. It's now just been completely clouded with the loss of my mum and, and grief and mm-hmm. trauma. And so it's been a very, very strange, traumatic, difficult experience. The main thing that I had to do was just pull everything mm-hmm. back and just take it minute by minute because I think I was just in such complete shock for a whole year I mean I lost my biggest support like my mum was everything to me like she was my best friend and you know she's the grandma of my daughter like Mm. I feel like you know there's no other time that you need your mum the most until you become a mum yourself and it's like that was ripped away from me um Mm -hmm. and then it was also clouded by all those things like I I didn't even get to say goodbye. I didn't even I didn't even know that she was about to die. I couldn't even mentally prepare myself for that. So I think just not looking into the future was the most important thing because anytime I did that I just spiraled and mm. so I just had to like s- strip everything right back and be like okay, how am I going to survive the next minute? Mm. And you know, I had so many physical changes happen like my milk supply stopped immediately from the stress Is that it that had right? on my body yeah I couldn't wow. later anymore so I just felt like everything was being ripped away from me oh. um you know my body wasn't working <laughs> as a mom wow. I, just, I lost so much weight I felt really weak mm. um mm. And yeah, like there's some days I just, I just stared at a wall. Like I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't function sometimes. So I think the support of like friends and family at that time was just so amazing. People came around, they cooked for me, they, you know, bathed Layla, they fed Layla, they did all the things that I just couldn't do. Like even just things like walking the dog. But I Mm. think when you're in that state, you don't know what you need.
1: You know, it's really
0: hard mm, to no. know what I mean because I just wasn't on this planet. Like I wasn't here. I was constantly like ruminating in my head, like about what had just happened. And I think, you know, one of the common, one of the common responses to suicide loss is like you need to find answers because there are no answers, you know, suicide in a lot of ways feels like you're going against the basic, basic human instinct of survival So I couldn't Mm. understand how my mum would do that and especially the mum that I knew, like she's the last person on this earth that we could have ever imagined doing that. So it was having to kind of process that that had actually happened and try and find out why it happened and how it happened. So I spent a lot of time in my head trying to figure those things out. The Mm. best way I can describe it is like a psychological autopsy So you've got to try and come up with the cause of death when you don't have one. Um, It's a very, very, very
1: strange, strange thing to have to deal with. Um, And what blows my mind is someone like you, like me, we're we're already in our heads, right? We were just talking about anxiety before and things like that. We're already in our heads and then something like that happens and then you're even more in your head. I guess as you said, you took it sort of minute by minute. Were there any sort of practices that you like, you know, are you an exerciser or are you a meditator? Or was there anything because I can't fathom how, for example, I would deal with something like that. That just blows my mind. So I'm so intrigued around how did you deal with that? Um, you know, yeah, were there any practices that you put in place? So many.
0: I had so many yeah. practices around the clock. Um, yep. I did find meditation to be very, very helpful. I mm. could only really do guided meditation, so I'd have to have my yeah. headphones in. And I still now to this day, I can't fall asleep mm. without it because my mm. mind starts to wander. So I, I have to listen to guided meditation, um, just hearing someone's, someone else's voice, just trying to focus on what they're saying to bring myself back into the room and be really present. Um, I had psycholo- psychologists around the clock. I had th- – mm. I was seeing three therapists at, at one time, a psychologist, a psychotherapist, and a and a suicide loss counsellor. Um, mm. And so I was taking bits from all of those different forms of therapy. Um, I was desperate to survive. I was desperate to mm. to heal from this, and I think I did absolutely everything under the sun which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Like I know people deal with grief really differently. You know, my sister Mm. and I have had completely different experiences and responses to it. Um, But mine has been very obsessively wanting to heal, wanting to Mm. not let this kill me because I'll be honest, like I did get to a place where I, I wanted to die. Like, I would be sitting there and Layla would be crying and I couldn't like I just was so broken so lost inside I was just staring at a wall and inside of me just I wanted to die like I was just in mm. so much pain and I couldn't see how I was going to survive anything in the future with what had happened yeah. so I think I had to I had to just I had to do everything that I could and I think um Another really helpful tip was from one of my, from the psychotherapist where she said, when you're in those moments and you're so out of your body and you're so in your head and you're not present, just smell your daughter's skin. She said it sounds really simple Mm -hmm. but just hold her to your skin and smell her skin and touch her hair and just like feel her breath on you and like those sorts of things would pull me back. You know, and it was just like I just had to keep doing that sort of stuff on repeat and just remind myself I've got to survive. She needs a mum. You know, I can't let any more tragedy happen in my family. Like just keep going, just just make it through today, you know, and that's all I could do for a very long time. Um, mm. For months I just would pull, <laughs> yeah, pull all of those things out of my mm. survival toolkit and just kept going and kept going and kept going. and
1: yeah. Mm. So, at what point did you feel like you were starting to turn a corner, as far as feeling a little less heavy and a little b- bit more in the real world?
0: Um, ten months. Mm. I'll tell you exactly. Ten months mm. is when.
1: Was there something that happened that made you?
0: Uh, nothing particularly that happened, but mm. I just think mm. it was just the natural progression of grief. Like grief changes and evolves over time, and I think you know, we learn about the different stages of grief, but they don't happen in a linear way and you can feel Mm -hmm. them all at once or you can, you know, you feel them, you know, you think you process one stage but then you're back in it again. But I think at 10 months I started to feel what I think was acceptance and it was acceptance where I was like, okay, I can kind of, it wasn't accepting what had happened, but I'd started to come to terms with what had happened. So I think I stopped. I stopped trying to do the bargaining and the reasoning, and then I'll do anything to have my mum back. I will, you know, I because I blamed mm. myself a lot for my mum dying, which is another response to suicide loss: is the guilt that you feel is just is really heavy and it's a lot to carry. And because you don't have an answer or a reason as to why they die, you blame yourself as a way of kind of keeping some control of your life Mm. um, to keeping control of thinking that really bad things don't just happen out of nowhere. Mm. Um, So I think I'd worked through a lot of that stuff over the months and a lot of the guilt, and I think at 10 months I finally kind of let myself breathe Mm. and went, okay, this has happened I've survived so far. Mm. I can do this. I think it's important for anyone who's dealing with grief or anyone, you know, who's worried that they may end up losing a loved one and not being able to survive. Like it does get easier in a sense, like it's always hard, but I never thought that I could experience joy again and here I am just having experienced my daughter's sort of second birthday and I had a really lovely time. Um, so that took me by surprise.
1: And even the fact that you channeled your energy into something so positive around giving grief a voice around your podcast, when did the podcast sort of come to fruition?
0: Oh, the podcast. <laughs> it's been, yeah. Quite, yeah. it's yeah. been pretty amazing. Like, um, mm. I got to, I got to a bit of a rock bottom place with my grief and I, was just, yeah, my thoughts were spiralling. I was getting to a really, really dark place to do with all of the circumstances surrounding my mum's death. And I was like, I actually need some extra help. Like having the psychologist is great, but I need I need to hear from people that have gone through this. I need to hear from other people that are experiencing the loss of their mum because I felt very isolated and I felt very alone with what had happened, um, which I think is common. And so I reached out. I found a support group called Motherless Daughters Australia, which is a fantastic organisation connecting, yeah, women who have lost their mum all over the country. Um, And they had a meet-up in Sydney and it was kind of peak COVID. So there was only 10 people that were able to attend. Mm. And so I went to this lunch. And at the lunch I met... Sally. So Sally is the co-host of the podcast. So we sat opposite each other, but we didn't really get a chance to talk at the lunch. And, um, I had overheard that her mum also died suddenly different, um, circumstances. Sally's mum died of a sudden seizure in her sleep, which is so awful. Mm-hmm. But I felt like with sudden death, it is a whole different kind of experience and yeah I reached out to Sally um on Facebook I just sent her a DM saying look I overheard that you your mum died suddenly too let me know if you ever want to chat I'm here I know you know how awful this is and she reached back out we met up for a drink and we just had this instant connection and it was just really comforting to talk to somebody else who knew what I was going through and I didn't have to explain anything she just got it You know, and I think having that kind of support is so helpful when you're grieving. You just need someone who knows what you're going through. And we were chatting about how there weren't many resources at all that spoke to us. Like I just felt everything is just quite outdated, like Mm. in terms of grief support for people in our age bracket. Like you don't expect to lose your mum at this age. You know, we think we'd have our mum till we're like in our 50s or 60s um but yeah so it was it was great to great to meet someone who knew what i was going through and then we just thought well what can we do Mm. you know we've we've got this experience now we have identified that there is this real lack of resources like what can we do so we thought about do we have like a supper club where we invite you know Mm. get women together and talk about their experiences and connect and mm. <laughs> we're like how is that going to work during COVID
1: yeah and then yeah, we just- <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and then we just thought why don't we do a podcast <laughs> everyone mm. seems to be doing podcasts these days yeah let's yeah. do a podcast and then mm. yeah within like weeks it was up off the ground running
1: <laughs> yeah I love that yeah. And you just went gung-ho, obviously. You put so much, you would have put so much time, energy into it, obviously, to become such a success within such a short period of time. Do you think it helped heal you to some extent?
0: Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I think helped me survive was Layla pulling mm. me out of it. And the other thing that I think helped me survive was having the podcast to focus on. Mm. It sounds crazy to anyone else who's listening probably, but I was in a very, very dark place and Mm. with everything that had gone on, I couldn't get out of that. And then I feel like the podcast gave me something positive to focus on. It gave me something positive to channel all of my grief into. Um, It also made some meaning from my mum's death which I think is such an important thing to do when you lose a loved one is you need to try and make some meaning from their death because mm. otherwise it all feels for nothing. And you're like, how can this person's yeah. life have just meant nothing and they're dead and that's it. And everyone just moves on to their normal lives. And I'm just left with this mm. huge gaping hole in my heart. So mm. in a sense, it is my mum's legacy in a way, like, mm. you know, to be able to have created something from this tragedy, That's now helping other people is just, it's so important for me. And it's been such a massive gift. So, our podcast is basically a place where you can go to if you're grieving to hear relatable conversations. And Sal and I, we really try to keep things not so doom and gloom because, you know, a lot of grief content out there is very heavy. And Mm. we like to keep our content obviously it's a heavy topic and obviously anyone talking about death is going to be hard to listen to and it's going to be emotional but we also keep it light and humorous at times which sounds crazy but you have to listen to our podcast to kind of know what we're talking about like we have a laugh sometimes
1: you you guys crack me up (laughs) yeah you do (laughs) and I love your reels on Instagram where it's like you know, uh, you just, you do it in such a a delicate way, but it's, it's humorous and, you know, such a heavy topic, as you said, I think you've got that combination bang on. Um, I I can say having listened and obviously following you guys on Instagram to our audience, get on there. It's, it's really, really good content. I mean, obviously it speaks (laughs) for itself in how successful you've been. So I think it's amazing circling all the way back now. So I think first of all, you know, what a journey Um, and what a an amazing, as you said, gift to come out of it. I mean, you've learned, you've learned so many lessons along the way. You're still moving through what all of that looks like for you. And I think just, yeah, so admirable to see sort of what has become from such a, from such a tragedy. Um, we started with, you know, talking about the fact that being a mother means that we have more people to love. Essentially, that's what your mother had said too. You know, it's just that love is indescribable. What? Where is your relationship at now with your daughter at two years old and how did that sort of evolve? Because the, the first, I mean, even year I'm sure was just an absolute shit show, right? Like you're just trying to get through the minute. Um, where are you at now?
0: Yeah, wow. So that yeah, the first year was a shit show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just in survival mode really. Yeah. Um mm. where I'm at now is a very, very different place. It's amazing. Like I love her so much. She brings mm. me so much joy. So it's incredible that we've got to that place through all of this awfulness. Um but I think another thing, like, in that first year, I was so concerned about the effects that it would have on her, like mm. seeing me breaking down and, you know, what does that look like? Should I not be crying in front of my child? But, this, you know, when you're in deep grief, you, you can't, like, you can't turn it off. It's not as easy yeah, as exactly.
1: that. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: yeah. There was this incredible quote which I shared on my Instagram a while ago, which I think helped me a lot deal with those sorts of worries that I had about how is this affecting her if she's seeing me crying. So Dr. Shafali says, don't shield your children from pain. Shield them from the belief that it will crumble them, which I absolutely love. love and I think that. it's such an important message because everything I do now is for Layla. Like I want to be a good role model for Layla. I want her to know that she can survive anything in her life. And it's also healthy and important to allow yourself to feel whatever emotions arise, you know, when you're going through things in your life because life is not easy. You know, we get faced with challenges every day. And as mums, you know, we've got so much on our plate. Um, it can be stressful. But just just know that I think is so important. Um, don't shield it from that. pain.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. I love that. One of the last questions uh, I asked all of our mum guests is, how has motherhood changed you as a person?
0: I am walking around with my heart outside of my body now. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's changed me in so many ways. I was so selfish Mm. before and everything that I do now is for somebody else. (laughs) So, yeah, it's made me be a lot less selfish. It's made me love so much. Um, yeah, yeah. it's just changed me in a lot of ways, ways that I'm really proud of. And I think it's also all of those fears that I had prior to going into motherhood are all gone now. Like I'm, I feel like I'm starting to become really confident as a mum. I'm starting to think, actually, I do deserve this. I can be a good mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think at the end of the day, if your child is, is loved, then you're doing the best job because all the other shit doesn't matter, you know, as long as they're loved. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. And I think I'm nailing that pretty good. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> I love that. It's like back to basics, right? Like that is essentially the foundation of it all. Um, yeah. I love that. I've loved this conversation. Just to wrap up, how can people find out more about you and your work?
0: We are very active over on Instagram. So you can find us at Good Morning Podcast. So, morning is spelt with a U. So, M O U R N I N G. And we also have an event coming up in August. So, we're going to be doing a live panel discussion on grief at the Vivid Festival of uh, Vivid Sydney this year, which is very exciting. Awesome. So, tickets are available yeah. on the Vivid Sydney website or you can find them through our Instagram. Um, and our podcast is on all major podcast platforms. Good Morning
1: Podcast. And I'll pop all of those details in the episode notes as well. Im, thank you so much for your time, for your vulnerability, for your honesty. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this space to talk about my motherhood journey. It's been quite amazing to reflect back on it all. Thank you. it's such a great thing that you're doing.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. By subscribing to the podcast, every new episode will drop into your podcast library each week. Subscribing is also such an essential way for people to find us and to enable us to grow. Want to be part of the Mum Life community? Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Until next time, keep living your best mum life.